Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team.
And you do too. Like, don't kid me. I, sometimes I think about that. And uh, I remember, I've told this story before, when I was a little kid, the first job I ever wanted was to own a toy store. And I wanted to own a toy store so that I, I could, of course, play with all the toys. Um, I was unaware of the dynamics of owning a small business in that time. Then I wanted to own a bookstore because I wanted to read all the books. Frankly, I still kind of want to do that. And then I got to about 10 years old. And when I was about 10 years old, I started collecting basketball cards. And basketball cards are awesome, but they're also expensive. And so I spent a lot of money on them. And I thought, gee, I could use more money. I wonder what kind of job would get me more money. I thought about being a lawyer. And then I thought, ah, no, I can't do that to myself. And then I thought, what about what about what my cousin does? Because I knew my cousin was doing pretty well financially. And so I went to my dad. I was like, dad, what does my cousin do? He's like, oh, he's an actuary. I'm like, what's that? He's like, I don't know, but he's rolling in it. I'm like, I'm going to be an actuary. Still don't know what that is. But really, that desire has not really left me. It grips me. Often, I find myself wishing I had more money. And I know this is not something I struggle with alone, but I feel like it is something we very rarely say out loud in church that I think I might have a problem with greed. And I think maybe a lot of the Australian church has a problem with greed. I think maybe a lot of people in this room have a problem with greed, but we're not good at saying that or naming that over ourselves. There are other sins we feel much more comfortable saying, yeah, that is true, yeah, yeah, I guess I can be a bit lazy sometimes. I'll try harder. And, and that's kind of the process we go through as if that works. But greed is something we don't like to say over ourselves. It seems to be something pretty bad, and it is mentioned in the Bible frequently as a dangerous sin. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. That's a tough one. Nor he who loves wealth with his income. Luke 12.15, And he said to them, Take care, and this is Jesus, and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And perhaps most damningly of all, Mark 8.36, Jesus says, For what does it profit a person? To gain the whole world and forfeit their soul. What does it profit us? Today, what I want to explore is our fourth and final core value here at Encounter about being a generous church. I want to talk about money in church. I want to talk about giving money to this church specifically. And I want to challenge you to be generous in the context of a recession. So you're all going to have tons of fun tonight. Buckle up. It's going to be a blast. Don't switch off. Don't don't switch off. I'm praying that as you do that you will see the generosity of God in action and that you'll begin to be caught and transformed by God's generosity. So let's jump in and and see what Jesus says about money. Because Jesus regularly challenged the way we perceive money. And he challenged it in a whole bunch of different ways. He didn't just give us one challenge. He kept mixing it up and messing around with us. So first of all, he does things like he invites a wealthy man, Matthew, a tax collector, to be one of his disciples. We, didn't hear, we don't hear specifically, give up all your money. We just hear that he becomes a disciple. And then he tells his disciples that a widow giving two small copper coins in the temple was the most generous person giving that day, even though she gives very little money. And then he allows himself to be bathed in expensive perfume. And then he uh, chides a, a rich young ruler by saying, if you want to follow me, give away all your money and follow me. These are all quite different answers to the same problem of greed, of finance gripping our heart. It would be nice if we could just go, Jesus, tell us what to do. Do we have to give away all our money to follow you? And Jesus, to some people, says yes, and to others, says no. Because it's not about the money. It's about a heart issue. 
crucially, centrally to all of this, Jesus outlines in the Sermon on the Mount the key problem. You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money at the same time. And we all in this room, I'm sure you would say, oh, we don't do that. Don't we? Don't we? I mean, perhaps we say we serve God and, and serve money accidentally. Like we'll serve God with this many of our monies, but the rest we like to keep for ourselves. It's very interesting the way we do this. Mostly we do it by giving God our leftovers. Mostly we give God the smallest portion of our income. Now, in the interest of being real again, I hate talking about money. It's pretty much my least favorite topic to preach on. But we're here. We're on generosity. And the challenge is on for us that if we are a generous church, we need to live it out, right? We need to actually be it. There's no hypocrisy here. There might be failings. There might be struggles. But hypocrisy? No, we're not playing that game. So what does it mean for us to be a generous church? Let's jump into 2 Corinthians 9 and find out what Paul was doing here. Now, 2 Corinthians is probably the fourth letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, It's the second one of the ones that we have managed to keep and that's in the scriptures. And it is the one that's kind of much more encouraging. The first letter, 1 Corinthians, is very much a discipline letter, like basically stop being idiots, get yourself together. The second Corinthians is much more encouraging. Paul is saying, despite everything, you're doing it, you're doing it, come on, guys. And so it's, it's great to read. But fittingly, given the mess that that church was in, he digs into a messy subject in money because that's really all Paul did. He walked around getting in trouble and digging into messy subjects. So Paul's been in the middle of this project, this collection that he's taking up, and it's throughout a lot of his letters, he talks about this collection that he's taking up for the church in Jerusalem. And basically what he says to all the churches in Europe and Asia that he's gone around planting and visiting and praying for and blessing and preaching in is this. The church in Jerusalem is where your faith came out of. They sent apostles, they sent disciples to go around the world and plant churches and declare the gospel. And so the least you can do is take up some money to support them in their time of need. And so then he goes around, he tells them that, he sends them letters, and then he sends people to collect the money and bring it back to Jerusalem. And Paul is very much leaning on his relationship with these churches here. (coughs) So this is what happens in the first five verses. He affirms the Corinthian church. He says, I know your eagerness, he says, sure that they're desiring to be generous. More than that, he boasts about the Corinthians to the Macedonian church. I do that all the time with this church. I I love putting stuff on social media, like we raised 16 grand for open doors. I find that very, very exciting. I love to boast about that. But if I'm being honest, part of the reason I'm doing it is because I want you guys to go, how about 17 grand next time? Like, that's right. Let's lift our game. Let's out-generous each other. I love to encourage you in that. Paul boasts about the Corinthians to the Macedonian church and kind of plays them off against each other in a generosity of. He's asking who can give more. He says the zeal, the passion of the Corinthian church to give has stirred up generosity in Macedonia. And that is because, friends, and this is important to note, generosity breeds generosity. When you are around generous people, when you're behaving in a generous way, it will breed more generosity. If they can do it, I can do it. Stories of generosity matter. So when we had compassion here uh, a few weeks ago, I shared this story this morning. Well, two stories. First of all, um, my daughter Grace felt convicted by God to sponsor a compassion kit. She can't do that. She doesn't have anywhere near the pocket money. But we said, we will partner with you in that as your parents. We, if you commit to giving this much of your pocket money, we will cover the rest. 
and then it'll start increasing as your pocket money increases and then when you get a job and you are at a place where you can do that we're going to hand over the the compassion kit to you to be the full sponsor of so you're going to build the relationship now you're going to have an investment and then you're sponsoring full now grace tells this story when she's hosting on compassion sunday and pastor david who was who works for compassion and was at the back said that this lady came and registered and said she she sponsored a compassion kit because grace told her story she said, if that little kid can do it, if that little girl can do it, I can do it. And that's the kind of story that breeds generosity. Generosity breeds generosity. But competition breeds generosity too. Our dear friends at Journey United Church, the church where I came to faith, where Jen and I ministered for many years. Again, I told this this morning. They had Compassion Sunday the week after us. And we, I think, sponsored 32, 33 Compassion Kids. Praise God. Lifted out of poverty in Jesus' name. And our dear friend, Pastor Katie, who's coming to preach here in a few weeks, she got up and she said, who loves Encounter? People cheer. Who loves Mike and Jen? People cheer. Then she goes, who wants to crush them in the amount of sponsorships? And people roared with joy because who doesn't love a healthy Christian competition? And they sponsored like 50 kids. Praise God. By every means necessary. Generosity breeds generosity. Paul is saying this, you want to be generous. You say that, I believe you, now let me help you. That's why he sends Titus to come and give this collection, come and get this collection rather. He goes on, he's saying, I I, I don't want our boasting to be in vain. I want it to be ready as a gift, not as extortion. I don't want you ever to be embarrassed by someone going, hey, Paul was going around saying that you guys are a super generous church. You didn't give any money to Jerusalem. Oh, no, yeah, no, miscommunication. The, the, yeah, I think the horses skipped each other, you know. <clears throat> we don't want that for you. And I feel that about this church. I feel like I hear us wanting to be generous so badly. We have a heart for that. We are passionate for it. Let me help you. Now, the next five verses, verses 6 to 10, Paul starts to shift gears. He talks about the heart of generosity and the effect it has on our lives. In verse 6, stands out, doesn't it? The person who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Well, what does that mean? Let me start with what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that if you give money away, God will give you more money. This is part of the prosperity gospel, which is a false teaching that suggests that God wants you to be rich. God doesn't want you to be rich. God doesn't want you to be poor either, by the way. God wants you to take what is in your hand and steward it wisely for the kingdom of God. Whether you are rich or poor, you must steward that. This is why Jesus commends the widow with the two copper coins. It's also why he commends Zacchaeus, the wealthy tax collector. One gives away very little, one gives away a lot. He commends them both for their faithfulness in dealing with what God has put in their hands. It is not about amount, it is about faithfulness. So in that case, what does it mean? Well, you can't keep finance. You can't take it with you. We are here for a short period of time, and we are desperately trying to rack up finance for ourselves. On on the saving side, we're trying to create share portfolios and investment properties and savings and bulk up our super. And then on the spending side, we're just spending, 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 or whatever takes our fancy, especially things like takeaway coffees, you know, super guilty, and Netflix and Spotify premium and all the things that millennials think are actually requirements for living in 2020. But they're not. And you can't take this stuff with you. So when God gives you financial blessings, 
You've got to ask yourself, how am I called to steward it? What am I meant to do with it? And Paul is saying here, be generous. What does that mean? Up to you. He said, it's got to be up to your heart to work out what generosity means. I can't tell you what you have to give. People ask me this all the time as a pastor. They're like, how much should I tithe? And I was like, well, tithing means 10%. Like, it literally means a tenth. So if you're asking that question literally, if you're asking it historically in the Old Testament, probably 10%. If you're asking how much you should tithe, you've got to do that with God. But my question is, if you're dropping below 10%, I'd ask yourself, if you're a follower of Jesus, why? I'd ask yourself that pretty seriously. Because in the New Covenant, it's not that you have to give 10%, it's that you have to give 100%. Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God and is going back to God. So every dollar we have should be stewarded carefully for the kingdom of God. Now that doesn't mean you can't ever have an investment property. It just means that if it's at the expense of your own generosity, you need to very carefully look at what your finances look like and if you're stewarding them correctly and in a wise manner. So a way that we do generosity here in Encounter, you've probably seen the coffee car. We love our coffee car. We love being generous to Prospect and, and, and the surrounds. We were up at Nailsworth Primary School a couple of weeks ago making free coffees and giving little gift packs to the teachers just to bless them. We just want them to feel loved and known and seen in a tough year. And I would, if it was up to me, Mike Wardrop, recovering actuary and recovering aspiring actuary, I would charge you all for coffee. Because I used to be in sales and I just see the dollar signs, right? Like, but we have, thankfully, really generous people around me who pull me into line and say, this is what it means for our church to be generous. We give away coffee. And, he, and because I am who I am, I can't then go cheap coffee because I won't do that. Okay, fine. Buy the expensive coffee. Be generous. Because that's our hospitality. Hospitality of generosity. Paul is explaining here that those who give generously are sowing seeds for the future. But what they're sowing are seeds of more generosity. Generosity breeds generosity. And generosity is done for generosity's sake. But it doesn't work in our hearts. It creates joy. And it creates trust in God. If you're struggling to trust God, try being generous. Paul wants us to hear that as we step out in faith, God will step in with provision because you're not going to believe this, but God is more faithful in his generosity than we are in ours. Now, on to the last five verses of this passage. Generosity and thanksgiving. Paul closes this chapter by helping people see that there is a cycle of generosity and thanksgiving and thankfulness. When we are thankful to God, we are generous. Because when we have thankfulness toward God, we realize that everything we have is a gift from God. If we don't, if we think that we earn it, then we tend to be stingy. We tend to hold it to ourselves. But you and I are in the middle of a recession, and we've just gone through uh, you know, COVID in its prime, and who knows what the rest of the next few years will look like. And many of you lost their jo- your jobs as a result of this. You know that you can't wait to get wealthy in order to be generous. Generosity doesn't work that way. In fact, the patterns of your heart have already been established by the time you've had like your first or second job. If you're going to give a portion of your income away, you'll have already done it. Paul says, when we give generously, we will be enriched in every way for all generosity. Not to be wealthy, we'll be enriched to be more generous. It's a generosity that causes our hearts then to thank God for the opportunity to be more generous. In fact, the thankfulness that we have gets turned back into praise to God. 
which gets turned into an attitude of thankfulness, which gives, becomes more generous. It's this cycle of thanksgiving and generosity that transforms us into people who are not only cheerful givers, but we're thankful to God for the opportunity to give. And the posture of our hearts becomes filled with gladness. That's who I want to be. I want to be a person who's not only generous, but doesn't walk out the back door afterwards going, I had to give him 50 bucks, I wish it could have been 20. Like, I, I want to be generous about it. I, I, I have a heart filled with joy, filled with thanksgiving. I, don't, I want to be a cheerful giver, not with a painted smile like forced onto my face, but because I love Jesus so much that I'm overflowing with gratitude and I'm giving my money away that way. Encounter Church, I want to echo Paul. You've said you'll be generous. I believe you. Let me help you. I'm going to invite up my helper now who's going to help you be generous, the wonderful Jenny Wardrop. Won't you make her welcome? Um, Jess, would you be able to grab the second stool for us? That would be great. Thanks, mate. Hi, darling. Hi, How are you today? No, you're not. I think you are. Me? Oh, I am now. Ooh. I won't face you because then I don't feel like I'm facing online church. I'll do a bit of both. Do you? Yeah. Well, I'll sit like directly in front. And I will face this way. It's not awkward at all. It's good. (laughs) Um, Darling, my wife is the most generous person I know. She she has an incredible spirit to bankrupt me (laughs) and to see obscure charities get supported because... She just loves to give money away. Why is generosity something that you do pretty naturally? I'll speak for, I think you are generous, so you just speak out of that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, I, feel, I feel weird saying that, like I feel weird hearing that because yeah. I don't feel like, I don't know, I don't feel like it's ever enough when I give, I want to give more. But anyway, um, I think for me, um, I grew up in a family that didn't have heaps of money. Um, so my pastor was a, um, my dad was a pastor. Um, and uh, my mum worked lots of jobs to kind of keep us, um, you know, have enough money to pay yeah. uh, all the bills and all that kind of thing. Um, but I never felt like I didn't have money. I never actually realised that we didn't have money until I grew up and I became an adult and realised how much things actually cost. Um, and I always just thought that it was normal that you kind of gave away what you had. Like, we just grew up with that. And mum and dad never made us feel like we didn't have any money, but that we always had enough to do whatever God was calling us to do. And so um, my mindset has always been, I've got enough to do whatever God calls me to do. And if I don't have enough to do that, then he's not calling me to do it. So it's kind of like if I've got something in my hand, I just use it. So like mum used to, I was telling the story this morning, um, mum used to go around and test like KFC and... um, Anyway, she just like it was hot enough when she got it back home and, and then, you know, you tick how nice the people were and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought she did it because, you know, it brought in a bit of money. But when I grew up, I looked at doing it as a job and it brings in like nothing or not very much. Anyway, um, and what I realised is that she did it so that we got KFC as kids because once she finished doing all the testing, we got to eat it. And um, it, that's the kind of people that my parents were you know whatever they could do to bless others to bless us as kids to be generous to neighbors and you know to go around and to help people with whatever they had they didn't always have everything but they had something and so I think I have grown up with that mindset yeah of it's part of who we are to be generous like it's not actually something I even I don't even really think about it if I'm really that's why I feel funny when you talk about it because I don't really think about it it's just who we who I am and I think it, yeah. it gets inbuilt in you from a young age it, you just kind of do it. Yeah, yeah. 
and I, I love that you're generous. I just don't love that they send us direct mail afterwards, um, badgering <laughs> us about it. But that's fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, um, I mean, I was I was thinking as we were talking about generosity this morning about you know some of the the generosity we've seen in our own life. You know, um, Jen often talks about how one of the things we do is we just say yes to God. That's all. Really? Like we're not yeah. we're not really very complicated human beings. Um, we just say yes to God. And so, you know, for the last, we've been married almost 14 years. And thank you. And in that time, um, in that time, we have had full-time work for, I reckon, two and a half years. So collectively, right? Not each, just collectively. As yeah. Yeah. And we're doing fine. We've got a small mortgage and we've got a home that we own and a, and a property that we're blessed to be renting here in Prospect. Uh, our kids go to the local public school. One of them will be going to private school next year, which is a, a different stretch on finance. Mm. I mean, what's what's a story of provision that you can think of? Ah, uh, so many. I think it's funny because like I don't really think about the money that we don't have. Yeah. I think about the money that we do have. Yeah. And I think that's something. Is sometimes when I think about generosity and stuff, we all talk about the money that we don't have to give away and it's like well, actually what about what we do have to give away or what about what we do have to use for God's glory yeah so anyway um so when I think you know I think you know so many stories of provision like God I like I was saying like I never felt like as a kid that we didn't have money I never feel like as adults that we don't have money yeah you know I just you know I might not have you know Jordans like you <laughs> they were a gift um just so you know um but most, most of this stuff was gift the socks hope- the shoes and the shirt were all gifts Oh, you're not wearing Lockie's pants. That's good. Um, that's a story for another day. Um, so, look, I think, I mean, there's lots of stories. I remember, I remember one day um, we had just had our third child and we were running youth ministry and we had this small Lancer, I think it was, car. And um, we had we didn't have a second car because we just couldn't afford a second car. Mm. And, um, but we're running youth ministry, so we're, uh, um, you know, just taking kids in our cars all the time as you did back then and, you know, taking them wherever and whatever else. And someone came up to us once and they said, oh, hey, I was driving home from church and God just told me to give you my car. Right. Okay. Uh, big seven-seater. Seven yeah. um, not old car at all. No. He ended up selling it to us for a dollar so he could tell people he sold it because he was so honouring. Like, he's just, just such yeah. an amazing man of God. Um, you know, there's been other times where, um, I mean, there was a Christmas, like, years ago when Mike was at, um, at uni and we didn't have enough money to, well, we were struggling with money at the time. Like, not struggling, but, you know, we didn't have heaps mm. of income. And I was, like, going, how are we going to provide Christmas lunch and the food that we need for that week and buy our kids gifts? And, um, so I was just praying about it, and I did feel a bit sad about it because I think I want to be able to bless our kids, and I want them to, you know, grow up like my parents did, of not feeling like they're missing out and stuff like that. Um, and I prayed about it, and I was just like, okay, we don't have enough money for this. It's okay. Like, I'll go to, if I need to, I'll go to save. It's all good. I'm not stressed. But um, the next day, a gift card came in the mail for 250 bucks, which was our weekly spend at that time, and um, or fortnightly spend or whatever it was. Anyway, and so I was able to use that money to buy food, and so I could buy my kids gifts. And, you know, it was just, God was just showing me, he's like, I've got you. Like, don't worry about, you know, say yes to what I'm calling you to do, yeah. not I will do that when I've got the money. Yes. You know, like I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I, say yes to me and I will sort out the rest. And so totally. he does that over and over again. And that's why I think I don't 
have a problem with just generosity because I trust God. Like I trust, I honestly, I trust that he's going to provide for my family. I trust that he's going to provide for us. You know, I trust he's going to provide for this church. Like I run the finances of this church. And there are sometimes I look at it and go, oh man, we can't afford to pay us full time a salary. You know, we just can't well, afford to. We, let it, we don't. We don't. We get a grant right now. And we don't get full time wage still, anyway. We still not full time even after the grant. But sometimes yeah. I, I, think, I worry about that. And God says, don't worry about that. Say yes to what I call you to say yes to. You know, give away to open doors. Give to compassion. Just do it and yeah. I will provide money. Yeah. Like God can, honestly, God can make money fall from the sky yeah. if he needs to. Yeah. In all seriousness, so I just, I trust him and I'm not going to let myself be controlled by money. Yeah. I refuse to. Yeah. Anyway, and, sorry, I'm getting all black. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. You know, like married for 14 years in that time, we've been tithing the whole time, minimum of 10% depending on what God challenges us to give. Had two compassion kids almost the whole time. No, one time we had, we, we got, we had one leave the, the... One left the program, yeah, yes, yes. You, you, you wrote something in a letter that made them leave. No, that's not true, that's not true. <laughs> um, we've had two, but we've been tithing regularly, uh, sponsoring compassion kids, sp- paying for whatever charitable stuff you, you uh, feel called to give to at, on a given week. And God has never, and, and never been on really a full-time income. And God has never been anything but generous to us. Absolutely. It's yeah. not about the money you need. It's about the money you have. And Absolutely. it's about the trust in the God that you serve. Yeah, it's good. What else would you say about, about generosity? I'm, I'm thinking in particular, like, the demographic of young adults and young families that we tend to have. Mm-hmm. What, what would you want to, what info did you need as a young adult about generosity? question i think um i mean a lot of it comes down to our heart posture hey like where's our heart at you know like a lot of the time we don't give because there's you know there's i don't give because i don't have this or i don't give because you know and i think sometimes i just think do you know what just give to god what's god's and don't worry so much like he really does have your life in the palm of his hand i know someone um in a church and he um pretty much lost most of his job um through COVID and uh, he prayed about it and he just felt God say, don't give any less tithing than what you already are. And I was like, that is a step of faith. Yeah. But you know what? Like God always provides what we need. And I think that's the thing that we need to remember is God always provides what we need. And I think sometimes we come at it with the wrong attitude and it's really not about um, whether you have enough or not. You have enough. You have enough to do all that God has called you to do. And I think that we need to get that in our heads. Um, and I think when we do that, it changes the way we see generous. Like it was, I was um, on my birthday, so uh, CBM um, do uh, Miracles Day where they give sight back to children. Christian Blind Mission. Thank you. Um, you get the mail in the mail letterbox. Sure um, do. And, um, and they give away, they do this sight thing, right? It's like 20 bucks, give someone sight, right? It's my birthday week, so I say to everybody, if you want to give me a gift, do that. Yeah give someone sight because I'd love that much more than I would love a new pair of shoes or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Here, sorry. Here I am Your with shoes my birthday awesome. shoes. You're very, very blessed. Um, but I would rather that, in all seriousness, I would rather that. And so we were listening to the radio and Charlie said, we're driving along, Charlie's like, oh, mum, can we get, can we give sight to someone? And I was like, thinking about it, I'm like, yep, 
yes, we can. And I said, honey, we're about to go out for a pub meal, the three of us, Noah, Charlie and I. Um, we were, Grace was off something else. And so I said, look, we're about to go out for a pub meal. So if we do that, we actually can't afford to go out and have a pub meal. So we could go and get some hot chips. We could just get a $5, $10 hot thing of hot chips, um, you know, rather than a, however much it was, $30, $50, $40 on, on that. And I said, and then we can um, sponsor this, this yeah. kid. Anyway, and Charlie's like, yes. Yes, I would rather get hot chips and give someone sight. Noah was not quite so excited. But um, but he was like, I would rather give someone sight than go and have a pub meal with chicken nuggets and chips and soft drink and whatever, ice cream, yeah. whatever he gets in that pub meal. You know, that is what it takes sometimes to just yeah. say yes to Jesus, to just yeah. say, yeah, do you know what? I can do this. You know, I can give here. I can give here. And let's not worry so much. I think I'm not telling you to be stupid with your finances. Guys, I'm not telling you to do that. Be wise with what God's given you, but do not let it control you because you will not feel free. I do not worry about money. I just don't. We're sending our daughter. I went and bought her school uniform the other day and my eyes opened a little bit, but you know, I'm not worried about it. I'm really not because I just know God called us to send us there. We're not sending her there because it's a private school. We're sending her there because we prayed and God said, send your daughter to Temple Christian College. And so we are, I shouldn't have said that on live, whatever. Anyway, so she's going there. This is our prayer, not anyone else's. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, and so we are sending her there because God's calling her to go there. If he calls us to do something, he provides what we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Hey, thanks, Jen. Thanks so much for coming up here. I, I hope you hear the discipleship in that. Like, there, there's so much intentional discipleship by Jen of our kids around finances and stewarding finance. And we, we're trying to help them with tithing and, and working out what it looks like to give to the local church. But so often, our kids are just like, oh, can I just give all of it this week? Like, can I? Can I? That's what they ask. Is it okay if I give more? And kids aren't, I don't believe they're instinctively generous. The first thing babies do is they snatch at things, right? And they say, mine, you know? But we can learn generosity. We can train ourselves to be generous people. I want to give you three pieces of advice. I didn't get to this this morning, but I want to give it tonight. What can you do to be more generous in the stewardship of your finances? So trust God and trust the church. That's where I would start. Number one, trust God and trust the church. Just if you're a part of this church, if you call it home, if you're a regular person here, challenge yourself to give 10% of your income to the church. I know, even saying it out loud, I'm like, I hate talking about finance, but it is good for your heart. It is good for your spirit. Now, we encounter, we also tithe. So we gave 16 grand to Open Doors last month or the month before. Out of that, eight grand came from the generosity of people in this congregation who felt called to respond to our plea for giving, and they gave eight grand. And then we, Encounter as an organization, allocated another eight grand out of our budget to give to Open Doors, to match it. Now that also comes from your generosity, but that's from generosity that trusts the church that says, this is yours. Do with it the best that you think you can do. Now, the reason we do that is because we we feel we have a mandate to give as well. We have a mandate to tithe as a church. We have a mandate to plant churches. We have a mandate to tithe. We have a mandate to raise disciples, all these other things. And we do this, and we are able to do this, because I'm able to be up here with a microphone in front of people challenging you to give to open doors. And when you do that, and when you give to the church we can then raise that money to give. It's a cycle. Can you see that? So it's an opportunity that creates an opportunity. So we give away as an organization. 
we value healthy stewardship of finance. Our finances are an open book. We just had a bunch of people come through Growth Track. One of the first things we do in Growth Track, before you even really start plugging into this church, is say, here is how we use our budget. We want to be open and honest about that. Here it is. And in the annual report, here's how it got broken down. If you want to know all the X's and O's, come and talk to Jared or Jenny, and, and they'll let you know. It's available. Now, if you give to us, I would recommend, and we prefer that you just start a regular direct debit from your bank account. I, I know some people, they've heard this and they're like, oh, I just want to pray over it. Fine, pray over it. Set an alarm in your calendar. Put it in there. Oh, every week, every month, every day, whatever. Pray over the finances I'm giving to church. But at least that way you, you'll set and forget that you've given it as opposed to forgetting at all, which is what happens, which is what happens. We can budget off that. That's why we want to do it. It's not because we just want the money. It's because if you can set it and we have some idea of what's coming in regularly, we can be better stewards of that money. We can do with what's in our hand better. So let me challenge you with that. Same reason that if you're on 50 grand a year, you don't want to get three lots of five grand and then 100 lots of five dollars. You don't. It's the same thing. So number one is trust that the church will do its part and trust that the God that God will do and provide what is needed. Here's the second one. Let go of your finance. When you, when you give it to the church, let go. There are plenty of empty buildings that used to be churches that have big stones on them with plaques that say, given by John Smith to the glory of God in tiny, in tiny letters underneath. And you really know what the focus of that giving was. It was about getting a name and a plaque. Once you give it, let go. Let go. Don't let it have any control over you. If you're getting mad about something financially, feel free, ask questions, but let go. Once it's out of your hands, it is no longer yours. The only way to truly steward generously is to give with no strings attached. But here's the third part, and this is the flip side to that. Take hold of your responsibility. Let go of your finance, but take hold of your responsibility. When you give, give it to the church and let it go, but do ask yourself how you can be responsible for stewarding the finance. So if you're a council member, if you're one of our elders, you have a big responsibility and that you not only steward your finance, you steward all of the church's finance and how we spend the whole budget. That is your responsibility. So as you're giving, don't go, oh, how's my four grand getting spent or whatever. Ask, how am I stewarding the giving of the church as, as a council member? If you are on the hospo team, don't waste anything that you don't have to waste. Make the best coffees you can. Do it as much as possible in an environment in environmentally friendly manner in a way that is efficient and effective and makes quality coffee that is an act of generosity if you are on the um if you are on the creative team take good care of the equipment that's one of the ways you are stewarding your giving you tithe equipment is bought make sure you roll those cables neatly don't do, don't be just leaving stuff around getting broken yeah yeah the tech nerds are very excited about this god bless you but, uh, but i'm serious that's an act of stewardship that is an act of wise financial stewardship in your giving to the church. It is saying, how do I take responsibility for my investment? It's not about griping. It's about taking responsibility. I'm not saying don't save. I'm not saying don't have an investment property. I'm not saying don't send your kids to a private school. What I am saying is that if you're constantly worrying about money, you're probably putting it in the wrong places. Your trust is probably not in God. Your heart is probably missing. See, in church, we tend to preach about money in one of three different ways. We talk about giving of your time, generosity of time. That's true. Time is money. 
We talk about generosity of your talents, your gifts, and that is also true. Some of you need to steward your gifts better. You're lacking confidence in yourself, and God's saying, use those gifts. The body of Christ is better when you use those gifts. Money is the real big one, though. It gets its claws into our spirit. We don't like to talk about it in church. Do you know why? Because it has its claws into your spirit. It's that simple. Like, this is not complicated, but it's very painful. Money is the one we talk, we talk about the least, but we need to talk about the most in that sense, to get its hands off our spirit because you cannot serve God and money. But underneath that, there is a fourth act of generosity. And band, you guys can get back up. This, this, is, what, this is where it really comes down to. Is there a generosity in your spirit? Because none of the rest of them matter if your spirit isn't being transformed, like I said earlier. It'll never be enough to tell ourselves to be more generous. The true generosity we aspire towards is the generosity of our spirit, where we realize that it's better to give than to receive and that we actually gain a great deal when we give our money away. It's a generosity, to paraphrase Paul, that comes from the heart, not by extortion, but because that's what we actually want to do. Now, if you're brand new here, don't stress about this. Generosity requires trust. And if you're new, we haven't earned that trust. If we, if you are not new, like, what do we have to do to earn trust? I'm just standing up here openly talking about money. Last week, talking about being real. I'm just, we're here for the heavy conversations. We are. Friends, if you want to be generous, genuinely kingdom of God, radically generous, you have to see your heart transformed. And it has less to do than you think with where the church spends their money and much more to do with the condition of your spirit. But the place we come to with generosity at the end has to be Jesus. It has to be. We are a generous church because our God is a generous God. We give because God first gave to us. Jesus' death on the cross is the most generous act in history. An innocent man giving up his life for the sake of the guilty. And in fact, when you think about it, Jesus made grace overflow to us, just like Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 9. He made grace overflow to us when he broke the powers of sin and death on the cross. Jesus is the ultimate cheerful giver. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He gave his life cheerfully for the joy set before him. Not the punishment, the joy. Jesus is the one who sows generously and we have reaped generously because of it. We are all here because of it. So the cure for greed, friends, for me, for you, is not to stop being greedy. The cure for greed is to fix our eyes on the generosity of God who has overflowed with abundance to us and has challenged us with what's in our hands and what's going on in our hearts. Now, I want to come to a time of ministry in a second. And I think, I think God wants to stir up some things in some people. Some of you, you know, hopefully God's just been practically speaking to you about your own generosity. But some of you, it comes back to that what's underneath. It's not about the fact that you're not giving your time or, or your spiritual gifts or your personality or, or your finance. It's about the state of your heart, right? It's about what's underneath that. It's about a dryness. There is a reservoir called the Holy Spirit longing to flood you, longing to pour out his goodness and grace and mercy over each and every one of you. But so often we go through the motions. We turn up on a Sunday 
or we think about our faith as a job, even being on mission can just be something we have to do rather than something we get to do. And that's because we do it from a place of obligation, not out of cheerful giving. It's true for every part of your life. You want to see your life transformed? Have your spirit transformed with joy, the joy of Jesus Christ. Then no matter where you go, no matter what vocation or vacation, no matter what you're doing in your life, there will be a reservoir of grace, the power of the Holy Spirit that will fill you and minister to you. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.